0: Welcome back, Coyotes fans, to a, the first rendition of our Deadline special. I have packed it up with some special guests, the usual crew. We have Haynes, or Haynes, sorry, we don't have Haynes. We got Grandy. We got Big Tortilla. We got Matt. We got a Deadline going on. Boys, how we doing? I'm doing,
1: great. doing Pretty good. Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh, just... Excited to sit here and talk about what's So, uh, but yeah, how about you, Yes, indeed. I'm ready to put some
2: graffiti on this shit, man. Do it. Uh, this is this is like my I don't know second or third favorite day out of the season when you're either in first place or towards the bottom. Trade deadline day, draft day. Huge, huge, huge fan of them.
0: A lot of fun, a little bit more somber for us, but I
3: can't wait. Personally, I can't wait till the trade deadline gets a little bit more exciting for us on the other end and outweighs the draft. But
0: no, I can't wait either. That, it was this is a tough one. This, this was that. that will be, I hope so. So, it looks like we had a couple of big ones bust. Uh, that sounds really inappropriate. Sorry, mom. Let me see here. Um uh, time I forget to put the notes up. The Red Bull Leipzig game is distracting me. Thank God for editing.
3: Hey Troy mm-hmm. Stetcher to Carolina. Or Calgary. My bad, Calgary. Just Stetcher. now. Yeah, Stetcher to Calgary. Huh.
0: Then we have Dwayne to Dallas for a second rounder in twenty twenty five. Good double way to make salary work. Penguins get Teddy Is it Bluger?
2: Blueger, so on before we keep going, so just one at a time, and then after, oh, game I see. one gotcha, and gotcha. Then, no quick fire, yeah, exactly. Okay, well,
0: so, let's talk, let's talk, uh, good so old quick, Domi
2: quick answers, quick answers, but
0: yeah. okay. So, Domi to Dallas yep. for a second round pick. What are you guys thinking of that? Good old former Coyote,
2: uh, I think it makes a ton of sense for Dallas, they got the win for, for me on this one. A speedy winger that has, I
3: question how much of his stuff is empty stats versus good because he's never really done well on competing teams. But Dallas does well enough here. I think they, I think
1: they did well. Dallas, uh, so probably definitely for the <laughs> okay. ten. Good offense, but yeah. And then we have.
0: Penguins trade for Teddy, is it Bluger or Bluger? I don't know. The German. Teddy Bluger. Bluger, okay. Cause I don't know if I have the Umblad or not. Uh, to Vegas for third round pick in 2024. What do you guys, is that? Sounds pretty good to me. I mean, I'm not really complaining if I'm I, either pretty one. It's
2: even for both sides, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a depth player. It's a mid-round pick. It's not, you know, I, it's, it's I like weird. it for both of them.
3: It's Pittsburgh clearing salary. I mean, that's what it was, making room for their other stuff, so like it for both both teams as well.
1: Yeah. It, it doesn't really do anything for me. So,
4: eh. <laughs> Fair
1: <laughs> it, enough. Yeah.
4: It, me.
0: Sounds about right. Sure. Uh, then we have Sabres trading for Eric Portillo. Or Portillo. Hopefully it's not Portillo. Sorry. To Kings for third round pick in 2023. Which, I mean, again, same thing for me here. I'm just kind of like, yeah, sounds about right. Not really move the needle either way for me what are you boys
2: i think he's a, Sabres great got a acquisition. third. acquisition i think he's a great acquisition for uh la uh they're in major goalie issues here but the sabers weren't going to be able to sign him he was going to be a ufa so it's a huge get for both teams
3: yeah it's yeah sabers were sabers got a third for somebody that was going to walk for free uh king's got somebody to bolster a non-existent
1: prospect pool depth at goaltender. Both ways, good.
5: Yeah, I, I like it for the Kings for that very reason. Yeah, get a good, good young goalie, see what he can become.
0: Yeah. In our next one, we got Capitals trading Lars Eller with 31% of the salary retained to Colorado for a second-round pick in 2025. I'm actually, admittedly, not really too familiar with Lars Eller, so I'm assuming someone else they're talking about, so that's all I got on that one.
2: So, the big thing about Lars Eller is he's he's like a .4, point-per-game player, nothing major, more of a depth guy, but he is an absolute monster in the playoffs. He scored two of the biggest goals in Capitals history, including the game-winning goal for their Stanley Cup run a couple years back. I think this move helps add some center depth for Colorado. I, I like it for them quite a bit more than Washington. I think he's he's somebody they need if they want to look to repeat.
1: I think uh, is, saying, Oh no, go ahead.
3: Ed, my bad.
5: I think it's just a sign that you know Washington's rebuilding, and yeah, uh, yeah. I guess the being another center is always good, especially when you're in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean. Uh, so far, I haven't been thrilled about anything.
1: <laughs> what
0: about
4: no? It's
3: it's a, I like it for Colorado. Good defensive-minded center who scores the big goals in the playoffs.
1: Matt said it's this is 100% a move for the playoff. He does really well playoff-style hockey.
0: And Mark, about the teams being cash struck I mean, like a lot of these deals, even for the Coyotes, have been retaining, retaining, retaining. So. That'll be a big thing we see as we go through the rest of the list. Uh, we have Capitals getting Marcus or trading, excuse me, Marcus Johansson to Minnesota for a third round pick in 2024. Grandy, you're the Minnesota local up there. What do you think of this one?
3: So, my whole family is wild fans and they hate this deal. They do it, So, I'm going to give the edge to the Capitals as a result.
0: Fair enough. Votes. So what about you, Matt? you got anything to add
2: on that? I don't think they gave up a ton to get him, but I I don't see him being a, a piece that pushes them over the top. It's kind of a wash to me, but I I'm going to lean Capitals here because they're achieving more of their goal in this deal.
0: And lastly, Mister Tortilla, what you got?
5: Yeah, uh, it's definitely a Capitals win there. I mean,
0: I'd rather
1: have the pick. Than anything else.
0: Fair enough. Sorry, Marcus Johansson. I guess you're not not too popular here on the Chirpin' <laughs> Yotes. Uh, Blue Jackets are trading Gustav Nyquist, who's injured, to Minnesota for a fifth round pick in 2023, which was originally uh, Boston's pick. Mr. Tortilla, you know anything? Any, uh, any fanship of Gustav Nyquist?
5: No, I just like his name.
0: <laughs> I do too. <laughs> He's a youtuber I like, Oh Nyquist. That's his his name is yeah. namesake. So I like him too.
5: Well, I mean, it, you know, it's just Washington's just rebuilding, and so, hey, it is what it is. And, you know, you always just like us get that capital
0: going. Fifth rounder yeah. in twenty twenty
1: three. Yeah, they got
3: a fifth rounder for a player that was hurt and may not play again in the regular season. Minnesota was one of the only teams that could actually pull this off because they had the cap space to take him in,
1: and the NHL had kind of set up on that. So it is it is what it is. Both teams kind of
2: just make them just, yeah. Anyways, it is what it is with it. For the yeah. price they paid, I like it for Minnesota. Um, like what Grandy said, they they kind of had an inside track here because they had the cap space to fit him Without needing him to shelf on LTIR and potentially, you know, incur some penalties from the league if they tried to activate him right when the playoffs started. So I do like it for them. I, I think he could be a helpful piece, especially at the price.
0: And now, Matt, it says here we have an Edmonton training a Jesse Pull Jujuvari. Hope I didn't put that. Sorry, sir. <laughs> Jesse Thank Poyari. you. To Carolina for a Patrick. Stola who's unsigned and his rights expire this year Um, and it looks like a Liga thing there so what do you think about that? We'll start with you.
2: Ultimately this is a a salary dump by Edmonton to make other moves but what's interesting about it is uh, Poyarvi, he was a third overall pick. He hasn't fit in with Edmonton. Uh, I think Carolina's real good about grabbing uh, players and kind of getting out of them what other teams couldn't. So this is more of a boomer bust thing, but I think he could, he could explode for them, and this would look like a massive steal.
3: Honestly, what this reminds me of is when the avalanche got Valerie Chiskin, a guy who was strong defensively, just lacked a little bit of the scoring touch, just couldn't finish to save his life and goes to a team that plays the style of hockey he's going to be strongest at. I think he's going to fit in really well there and that Edmonton didn't get anything but cap space for him. They turned that cap space into something, so they accomplished their goal. But overall, I think Carolina comes out a pretty
1: clear winner here.
5: It's Jesse Boviari. That dude, he needed out of there bad. I mean, they're like... No, we don't like you for whatever reason. They they just never really gave him a shot, and it just affected him like no other. And yeah, he just needed to get out of there. He needed a new place to shine. He can do it without any pressure on his back. You know, he's gonna basically he's writing a new resume. So when he is a free agent, he can sign somewhere. It's a big win for him. And Carolina is gonna you know they're gonna like him. They may resign him, but you know it's a big win for Parry, aren't we?
0: Sounds like a pretty good trade. From uh, you heard it here, folks. Uh, looks we like got the Blues trading an Ivan Barbashev to Vegas for a Zach Dean. Very hard name to pronounce. Uh, Mr. ortia what do you what do you know about uh, Zach Dean and Ivan Barbashev? What you got for
4: well,
5: us? Nothing on Barbashev, uh, but or, uh, I'm all confused now. <laughs> <laughs> It's early and I had a lot of drink last night <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, You know I, Vegas You know, I was doing Vegas things You know So I don't know I, I, I can't call it like an alcoholic right now <laughs>
0: Fair enough Okay we'll take that Grandy, Professor Grandy put on your shades for us What you got
3: I think this is a really strong deal for St. Louis
1: This sounds like there's a chance Barbershop Sheppel- holds a Antoine maybe, maybe maybe not we'll see but he was expiring free agent they got a former first round pick for and it's a four first round pick may not be the best it looks like he's got solid third liner written all over him so they need those so. too so
2: yeah I, I 100% agree with what Grandy says there um, I, I think it's a a great piece for St. Louis, especially with what Doug Armstrong wants to do over there, just kind of retool the roster and, you know, get going with the young core that they've already got in place. I like Zach Dean being a, a bottom six guy for them in the future. I I give St. Louis the win on that one.
0: So between now uh, we have a tree between Dallas and And what do you call that place? Uh, Montreal. Excuse me. The name escaped me. Genuinely. Uh, We have the Canadiens trading Ivengi Dadnov, retaining 50% of his salary to Dallas for Denis Gurianov. Uh, Mr. Matt, what do you got on that one?
2: This is a great trade for both players. I don't think it matters much to either team, but both these guys needed restarts. Uh, Gurianov's had some great numbers in the past, but kind of fell out of favor in Dallas. Dadnov was fantastic for a couple of seasons with Florida, um, had some issues in Vegas, went to Montreal, seemed kind of disinterested, back on a, a contending team. It, it's a good chance for both of them to kind of rejuvenate their careers.
3: Yeah, I agree with Matt. I think Montreal can become a big winner of this if Garyanov comes back to his old self. That's a pretty big if, though, so... It's just, and Dallas cleared up a little bit of the cap space that they then turned around and used in a later transaction as well. So,
1: again, both teams just got what they wanted with this deal. And lastly, I like it uh, for Dallas. Um,
5: uh, yeah, I don't know if he could re- find his way back in in Montreal. That's going to be a lot to uh, a lot of pressure on him right there. So um, if, he's, nah, 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 nah. if he's struggling in Dallas, you know, I don't see it happening in Montreal.
0: So now we have the Rangers, who are, I'm saying, probably one of the scariest teams out there in the East. You know, of course, it's fully loaded. But we got them trading Kras, Kratzkov, excuse Kratzkov to Canucks for a seventh-round pick in 2026, obviously a cap dump for Patrick Kane. Mr. Grandy, sir, what you got for us?
3: I just, it was. I think it was a great value move by Vancouver. One I kind of wish the Coyotes would have taken up on is just acquiring a very high risk but very high reward type player with Vitali Um Maybe he doesn't become anything, goes back to Russia at the end of the year. But the returns are already looking pretty good for Vancouver. Two games and he's been a very solid player for them already. Uh, it's just, it was a high-risk, high-reward chance that Vancouver took, and New York cleared salary to go out and get Vancouver, or not Vancouver, to go out and get Kane. The teams accomplished what they wanted, but Vancouver could become a real winner of that deal.
0: And you got Mr. Matt. You were there in New York, so what do you think this uh, trade kind of went down as? How are you feeling over there? Oh, you just got back. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm back home. Uh, you know what? I, I definitely like it for... Vancouver. Um there was always potential that uh Kratzov was going to go back overseas playing the KHL. Um and that really, really killed his value when other teams were showing some interest. So I I think Vancouver took a chance, he's played well there. Um not giving anything away towards the end of the show, but He'll be kind of an example uh, used when we talk about Schmaltz a little bit later.
0: Mr. Adam, what you got for us, sir? Uh,
2: um, It
5: definitely uh, definitely helps Vancouver, um, but is it enough? No. Uh, That team has real problems. Uh, I, I don't know if he goes back to the KHL. He may stay. You know, just getting out of New York may be the, the thing that he actually needed. Um, and, of course, you know, New York did what they did to make the space. So, But I, I think I like it for Vancouver more.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I do think a big part of his struggles there was not getting top six minutes, and he's definitely going to get that in Vancouver. That That might be what it takes to deter him from going back overseas.
0: Change well, of scenery is always nice, you know. We've seen a lot of people rebound when they come play for us, so hopefully same for him. Uh, looks like in a similar move, we have the Senators moving Zaitsev, a second round pick in 2023, and a six rounder in 2026 to Chicago for future considerations. What a player! That future considerations, absolute monster. Uh, which obviously was a cap dump for Chikrin, uh, Mr. Tortilla. Aren't you uh, you're a Senators guy? What, what do you think?
5: I think it's you know it is what it is. It's just the cap dump to get trick in uh, but Chicago you know they're they basically following our motto to get as many picks as you as you can get to rebuild uh, so I mean that, you know if they follow our model, maybe they'll be the second best team behind us
4: <laughs> enough. Hey, Nick
3: okay. Ritchie to Dick Ritchie to Calgary as well
1: just happened oh. and
3: Connor Mackey and Brett Ritchie in return, so we got Nick Ritchie's brother in return for him. That's kind of funny. just wear
0: the same jersey, just leave a jersey in the locker, just pick it up. I mean, same last name, right? So just leave it there. Perfect. Well, Look at that watch, live on the air.
3: You better watch that damn jersey.
0: <laughs> I wouldn't. Was my brother moving in? Nah, I leave that shit the nastiest. I wouldn't watch for like a week. No one, uh, Mr. Matt, what oh. do you think, sir? Uh
2: well, on on both fronts, um. I I like what Ottawa did here, getting rid of Zaitsev. But if you add that acquisition cost um, to what they paid for Chikrin, um, that dump on Zaitsev actually hurts them a little bit. Uh, I do like what Chicago's doing. Uh, It's a great acquisition for them, grabbing more future. Um, I'm going Chicago in a big way on that one.
3: Yeah, same. Chicago is just stacking picks just like we are. Um, this is how you rebuild, right? It sucks. I hate to see Chicago doing it, right? I really wish that they would try to do it, take a few shortcuts, but they're just they're rebuilding right, and um, yeah, they're they're stacking picks really well, man. They really are. Uh, but again. It's hard not to like it, though, for Ottawa, too, because they did get Chickering as a direct result of this trade.
0: It's, I wonder if the uh, Coyotes in Chicago become the titans of the Central Division in a couple of years. You know, you find them, and my hatred of them will continue to grow. So can't wait for that. So now just a quick... Uh, let's see here. The next note slide says, we got some Toronto players that's on the move. Do you guys think they are better going forward? Are they going to beat Boston, you think? Quick break from the ticker reel. What do you guys think of Toronto's latest moves? If I read that right, if I translate that right, yeah.
2: So my my big thing is I think Toronto was a relatively solid team, you know, with one of the better shots at beating Boston out of the East as it was. And I actually think they did too much. They changed too much of their team. Um, you know, they brought in Ryan O'Reilly, which was a great move. Um Uh, Noel Achari, he's a good depth player. You bring in Luke Shen. You bring in Jake McCabe, uh, Sam Lafferty, Eric Gustafson. You bring in all of these players, and you've changed a third of the lineup that you played 75% of the season with already. Um, You know, that's that's a, a considerable change. And then they spent a lot on making these acquisitions. You know, they they sent out a couple of first-round picks, uh, a couple of second-round picks, third-round pick. Rasmus Sandin, who was, you know, he was supposed to be their one of their defensemen in the future. Um, they move Pierre Engvall, who's been there for a while, Adam Gaudet, who's been there for a while. I I honestly think these moves hurt them more than help them. Granted, they're still going to rely on their top six. It's a great top six, but... I think they got some issues that they're going to have to grow into, and hopefully they don't uh, before the playoffs start because I'd love to see Tampa beat them again. But I, I think they did too much here.
3: I agree Ready? 100% with Matt, actually, on that. It's I think they would have been perfectly okay had they just – not even okay, I think they would have been great had they just made the Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Autari – moves, and they made the Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty moves. Lafferty and Achari, a supplying depth. Ryan O'Reilly giving them that really strong three centers down the middle or giving you the ability to move Tavares to the wing as Tavares showed in the last playoffs might need to happen with McCabe giving them a good defensive. I think if they had stopped there, this would have been a killer deadline for them. Every other move they made just seemed like it was shuffling deck chairs for no reason. I really like Sandine. I really like him. I think his biggest problem has been he hasn't gotten the playtime. They wouldn't give him top four minutes. He, so as a result, he just kind of floundered on the bottom pair. But even then, his underlying numbers were really strong. I think trading him away is a move that could come back to bite them pretty strongly. And for what? A pick that looks like it's going to be the 32nd pick in the draft and a power play guy, essentially, a power play specialist. I just... They did way too much tinkering at the end there, and it just felt like... Felt like... They needed, if they were going to do that much tinkering, you might as well go out and strengthen the goaltending. And as the deadline has now passed, we've seen they haven't. So you still have a question in the net, and you messed up, a, or not messed up, you messed around with a lot of the bottom of your roster.
0: I may, before, or to you, before you, you know, give your thoughts on that, do you think these moves were an act of desperation, like they desperately want to get to that second round slash Sunday Cup run, or what do you, think, why do you think there were so many moves made, and so much tinkering, and so many fingers in the pie? What would be your number one guess there?
3: Because the GM's fired if they don't get past the first round of the playoffs. We're not fired, he's not extended if he doesn't get past the first round of the playoffs. So none of this matters to him because it's this year or bust.
0: Anything to add, Matt, before Tortilla gives his thoughts?
2: I I agree with Grandy on that. This is kind of, you know, GM on his way out because they, they basically come to him and said, uh, you know, prove it or, you know, we're going to move on and find somebody else because you haven't achieved what, you know, what we want. So, yeah, I, I do think this is a big deal. Um, uh, this is, and it, and it really is too much tinkering. I mean, I don't think Jake McCabe is much of an upgrade over, uh, rasmus send in so i i do think they made a couple of crucial mistakes by by trying to go out and acquire too many players
0: and for uh looks like we have wild getting oscar sunquist from red wings for a 2023 first fourth round pick i don't know if he said that already but i just saw the ticker come up my espn so mr ortia what do you think of the toronto situation sir
5: i think it's meaning shit (laughs) It, I don't like it at all. I think this was a pure, I'm trying to save my ass kind of move. He messed with that locker room. He messed with everything. He didn't really address anything. You know, he basically brought in some big names, and you're like, ooh, wow, that's great, you know, whatever. But you know what? At the end of the day, he didn't fix anything. He just added a little here, and if someone gets hurt, then little Riley looks good. Other than that, he didn't really do anything. The back end, I don't like it. Sandine should have been playing more. That's what you drafted him for. You drafted him to be a, a big time D man, and you don't give it to him. Oh, yeah, I'm not to swear because I got called out last time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, I hate. And I'm not yeah, trying to be I'm not trying to hate on Toronto because I have I friends that are Toronto friends. But God, man, what are your team doing? Eh? I
2: mean, I I don't like it. <laughs> Randy, John Klingberg to Minnesota. Oh, I like John Klingberg. have you seen
1: the return yet?
2: I have not. I like Klingberg. I got it.
3: The thing... So, just as real quick, as I live in Minnesota, as I have wild fans that are family, I want to do say, though, I I don't like this trade for Minnesota because Addison was performing really well as their power play quarterback. Has recently gotten demoted because the coach wanted to go with more veteran players. And this just continues to block him and his progression, which they're going to need as they look to replace Matt Dumba and while well, at the end of the year, John Klingberg. So I don't know if I necessarily like that for Minnesota, but we'll see on it.
2: It feels like he's a replacement for Alex Goligosky, Um and the role that Goligosky played there more so than Addison. Um, uh, that's, that's how I would look at it until I see, uh, what the return is for it. I do like it from Minnesota that uh, provided they didn't give up too much to get him.
0: I like that was a soft spot for John Klingberg. I, I followed him when he was like, Texas. I was seeing him grow up. I'm just kind of a little soft spot. You know, like they go the same age, I think, but grow up in terms of, you know, professional hockey, but well, that's good. I like Minnesota too. The jerseys are sick. Maybe. Even when that Adidas sale happens, I'm about to pick me up one or something if he hopefully stays in a year for that to happen. So, okay, on to the next, shall we? Looks like we got what names here. Let me see what we got. All right. Um, I'm reading here, make sure I don't say this wrong. So it says here, I'll read it verbatim. In Ryan O'Reilly, Noel, 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 Hari, Luke Where's Shen. Boss.
3: We have. Yeah, we already talked about this. We, uh, okay,
0: I was like, "Is not these... it... familiar. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, no, no, right. I see it now. I follow, it. I follow, I follow. Gotcha, gotcha. I now follow you. Okay, cool. Thank God for the power of yeah. Alright, so we got Boston going in. We added Orlov, Hathaway. Oh, and Hathaway plays the Boston Bruins. It's wild. And uh, Tyler Bertuzzi. Potential weaknesses. Clear favorite. And then also Pasternak, Pasta himself, got an 8 by 1125 extension. Matt, since you were the of these notes shall we hear what you have to say first
2: um so i I actually like what boston did here i initially when they were in on chickering i thought it'd be a great thing for them um the more i've kind of sat back and look at what boston's done they're by far the best team in the league i i still don't think they've lost 10 games in regulation yet this year um i like the fact that they did enough to make some minor improvements without upsetting um the core of that locker room. Um, they didn't bring in any, anybody in to take over that second line center spot from David Krejci. Um, you know, they didn't bring in Chikrin who's, you know, he'd be playing that top left defensive role um, where McAvoy and Lindholm have done real well, or I'm sorry, where um, Lindholm and um, Grizzlick have done real well. So there's, there's a lot to be said about doing just a little and improving your team without disrupting anything. I like the Tyler Bertuzzi move a lot. Um, he doesn't have any playoff experience yet, but he's he plays a style that you want in the playoffs. He's almost, I mean, they, they really added Brad Marchand light with Tyler Bertuzzi. So now when teams are playing Boston and you're looking at Brad Marchand out there and you're, you're watching him piss off everybody that he's playing against. Well, now there's two of them. And that's, that's got to be a, a mental mindfuck for other teams who have to play Boston. You now have to deal with two guys like that. So I, I do like the fact that, that they added quite a bit outside of the guys that are going to carry them.
0: And to add to that, you were right. Boston uh, is forty-eight, eight and five at the time of this recording. So, off the top of the head, that's pretty pretty awesome. So, uh, Mr. Ria, are you feeling Boston? You like Boston? Oh, you were from a Boston fan. So, how do you think about this? That's right. I remember from the episode uh, you were.
5: Yeah, I was. Uh, but uh, unlike Toronto, they did just enough. You know, they didn't overdo it. They didn't, you know, they didn't stick it in the oven and forget about it. Uh, They just kept going, and I like these moves. Um, They're just doing Boston things, and to prove they want to win it, they're going to bolster everything up just just the way they want it. (laughs) Uh,
1: So I like it, and they really didn't lose anything. So, yeah, I like it for Boston. They're my favorite. Pretty person. scary. Yeah, Boston
0: Rangers are my favorite on the East. So, Grandy, what you got, sir?
3: I don't see how they didn't kill this deadline. I mean, Orlov is an absolutely fantastic fit for the role that they needed him to play. He plays that to perfection and is an incredibly, one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. So to see him finally get some recognition is nice. Um, And to add to Matt's point about Bertuzzi and Marchand being there to piss them off. Now you also have Hathaway on the fourth line. That's going to piss you off as well. He is an absolute just monster to play against on that fourth line because he's so physical and he's so grinding and he is so trash talk and just that little bit of a dirty edge that you hate playing up against. Um, it's a really strong depth move and then
1: they announced that they're
3: going to be without Taylor Hall essentially for the rest of the regular season and acquire a guy who should step into that role for the regulars, and no issue moving down a line and making them in that much deeper come playoffs Um in Bertuzzi. He's going to – they're just going to be a really good team, and they are incredibly scary to look at playing in the playoffs. I just – there's not a team in the league I would sit here and take – over them without an absolute dominating performance from a goaltender. So Boston looks real good going into these playoffs, man.
4: From
2: the standpoint of, um, you know, who's the team you don't want to play right now, it's, it's definitely Boston. Depending on what model you might subscribe to here, um, I believe on Dom Lechushkin had... Uh, used his model to predict that Toronto has the best odds of beating Boston in a seven-game series of any team in the league at just 38%. Wow. Um, only four teams come in above 30% on his model. It's their year. If they don't win it this year, it's, it's a tragedy for that city.
3: And what a what a sw- swan song to go out on, because this is more than likely Bergeron's last or second to last year. He's not going to be around forever. If Bergeron goes, I'd have to imagine Krejci goes back to Cheka, too. Um, just what a swan song to go out on if they do win. And I'm k- kind of rooting for them, too, because uh, how can you not like Patrice Bergeron? How can you not like Charlie McAvoy? We're not going to talk about Brad Marchand, but he's yeah, like just still so much
1: there's
0: just so much on that team that is so fun. People like Brad Marchand if they're on fees on their team, you know, that kind of thing, but he's not, unfortunately. I like him too. Yeah, I think it's probably every year. I, I agree with you guys on that. But, um, so Nashville, I think is, are they probably the best at securing assets here? You think?
2: Yeah, I think they did the best job of any team, uh, who was selling this year. Um, they uh, so they brought in a first round pick in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty five, second round pick in twenty three, two second round picks in twenty four, a third round pick in twenty three, a fourth round pick in twenty three and twenty four, a fifth round pick in uh, twenty twenty three. They bring in Calfoot, who was fourteenth overall in twenty seventeen. They get Reed Schaefer, who was 32nd overall in last year's draft. They get Tyson Berry, who I was thinking they could have flipped before the deadline, but they chose not to. Um, and they get Isaac Ratcliffe, um, former first-round pick, for future considerations. Um, and all they sent out is Matthias Eckholm, Mikael Granlin, Nino Niederreiter, Tanner Janot, and a sixth-round pick. They absolutely stocked their cabinets. Full of former high first round picks and multiple picks over the next three years and and they only lost five five players uh five assets to do so i I don't see where there was anybody who had a more successful deadline in accomplishing what they wanted to do
3: it's a Rather remarkable. I will say part of it is luck because getting Tampa to fork up that much, it's just having a guy like Jano who fit Tampa's what they look for every deadline that well helps a lot. But still, even with that, they just – they didn't touch a single core player of their team, not one. They can still either choose to move them or try to do a reset, which – I think would be a mistake personally if they tried to do a reset like you're seeing in Washington and St. Louis, but they have options come draft. David Poyle in his last big act as GM made the job a lot easier for, uh, who is it? Trotz is replacing him, right? Yeah. yeah he's made the job a lot easier on Trotz going into the next year. He set Trotz up really well to run with this thing.
1: All right and you're up (laughs) yeah um, yeah I mean I think uh, it was Cap Friendly said that they have the most uh, picks followed by us um, in this deadline so
5: yeah that's good I mean we talked about Chicago you know following the motto Uh, gotta throw in uh, Nashville so does that mean the Central's gonna be the beast in the next couple of years? I mean, well, obviously because Pacific did nothing. So, and then with Trotz coming in, you know, like you said, you know, he was set up really well. I mean, he the only way he could blow it is if he ships th- stuff out, but he ain't gonna do that, he ain't that stupid.
1: So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say they killed it.
0: I think another big team, I, I, think, killed, I think, they're. One of my favorites, maybe besides Boston, would probably be the the blue shirts, the New York Rangers over there. We got Patrick Kane going over there, um, reuniting with uh, Panarin. Um, Matt, what do you think? Do you feel pretty high on, on the blue shirts? Do you think they're just gonna kind of just it's it's Boston's year? They're just screwed. What do you think?
2: <laughs> I, I I don't want to say they're kind of screwed. They're definitely screwed. Um, Boston's most likely going to be the team out of the East, but. I love a lot of the moves they made um, getting Tarasenko, getting Kane. Um, unfortunately the the only loss I think they had there was moving Kratz off for next to nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I love what, what New York did. Uh, the acquisition cost for Patrick Kane didn't even cost him a first round pick. It's a conditional second conditional fourth. Um, you know, it it's helpful to Arizona. Arizona gets a third round pick out of it for retaining some money on Kane. Um I, I like what they did. Their their top six might be uh you know, might rival what Toronto has. Um they don't have their own Austin Matthews, but I think they've got six complete guys as opposed to a very, very strong four, uh, you know, with the fifth guy, you know, maybe being Ryan O'Reilly or something like that. But I, I do like New York's top six more than than just about anybody else right now. I think their biggest hurdle um, it, it's going to be coaching, GM, management. I, I don't think that roster has a lot of holes, but I do think that team finds a way to shoot itself in the foot quite frequently.
0: And all of also this stuck is, in the East too. The East is yeah, just and, so loaded with weapons. I mean.
2: And all of this is without even mentioning that they've got Shisterkin in net. They've got probably the the second or third best goalie in the in the entire league right now sitting there. So there's there's so much potential for that team if that team could get out of its own way. Should they yeah, grant you
0: high on the Rangers?
1: It's hard not to be because they added two to oh, our team. But at the same time, the East is such a bloodbath.
3: Does this do anything other than maybe make them even with Carolina? I mean, it's, it's so hard to put everything in perspective when the top four teams in the NHL are all out in the East right now. All four of them. Um, the number one team, or not, sorry, they're not the number one team, the number two team in the West, or maybe it is the number one team. I can't remember right now, but one of those two would be a wild card team in the East right now. It is a bloodbath and then some. Um, But it's... Just, just to, to answer
2: them- that, Grandy, the number one team out West right now is Dallas at 79 points. Uh They'd be number six in the East.
3: Thank you. So, oh. yeah, it's... It's brutal. The West or the East is absolutely brutal
2: this year at the top. Um, but Sorry. And real quick, just to them... add on, just to add on that at number six, Dallas is 25 points behind Boston. Oh my God. That just goes to show. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's Boston. That's, here, and that's what,
3: but I will say this is going to be an incredibly fun team to watch, watching, Patrick Kane passed to Mika Zabinejad and uh, Panarin, and having Tarasenko and Kreider and, oh, it's going to be so fun to watch. Like, their games are going to be appointment viewing almost from here on out. So...
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Adam, what's your thoughts on it, though? I
5: think, you know what, I'm not sure how they'd fall out in the playoffs, because I've been paying attention to the Yotes too much, but... If they played each other in the playoffs, whatever round, I'm jumping back in my time machine, I'm getting a VCR, and I'm coming back and I'm recording that whole fucking series. (laughs) Because there's going to be a, a, as Jim Ross was (laughs) asking, I love this, man. They're going to come up short, but they're going to be a beast.
3: It's so funny because every other year, it would be so hard not to say a team with Chris and Adam Fox and Mika Zabinajan. Artemi Panarin isn't the favorite, but this 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 year is just... Boston is so good. It's just... It, they're so good. These playoffs are going to be absolutely fantastic to watch in absolute, again, appointment viewing every round, especially in the East. Um,
0: Unless just, you're uh, ESPN an first take. Do you guys see uh, that, ESPN? First take said that was ridiculous on live on the air having the annual contract. Uh, that doesn't count. Oh, my lord. Anyways, Matt, what you got, sir?
2: So, uh, I want to say it was uh, John Butchagross that that uh tweeted this out, but the top five teams, uh, in term or sorry, top five games in terms of lowest price to go watch the game, uh, the rest of this week, only three of them. I believe we're over $100 on the secondary market. This isn't box office prices. Um, Arizona and New Jersey happened uh, to come in March 5th at 3rd at like $144, uh, being the cheapest resale seat. Um, Wow. I I believe it's New Jersey and New York. The cheapest ticket to get into the building is $260 on the resale market right now. And I don't doubt that. That is the worst seat in the house. And it's $250 a ticket. Out East, it's getting crazy, and people want to go see those games. Those games are going to be epic. Amazing.
0: ESPN, this is your time to market it. This is it. This is the time to really market it, because this this is going to be amazing hockey. I can't can't wait. Um, So speaking of the East, speaking of keeping it out there, the Devils got Timo Meyer. Now, let me get the trade details. Should those open up. My mistake. Looks like the Sharks get a first-round pick in 23 and 24, so I see this year. Next year, a seventh-rounder in this year, 23. Shakir, I will not pronounce that last name. I don't want to butcher that any more than I already have. Uh, 20th overall in twenty in 2020.
2: I, I believe it's Muka Madulin. Shakir Muka Madulin.
0: Muka, Shakir oh. Muka Madulin, okay. Who was, again, 20th overall selection in 2020. Uh, Fabian or Fabian Zitterlund? Uh Nikita If oh, my goodness.
2: Uh, Akutu. Akutu, Akutu, thank I you. believe is is the pronunciation.
0: And Andreas Johnson. Thank you for the easy to pronounce name. And the devil's uh, always Johnson. getting it's Timo actually, Meyer. Oh yeah, Johnson? Okay. It's Johnson.
2: Well, <laughs> I guess he wouldn't have
0: my back after all you. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I'm sure your parents are gonna send me an angry email.
2: Yeah. Uh and
0: then devils get Timo Meyer and a few E level prospects. They did not make it easy on me this year, I'll tell you that. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think we
2: started real
3: quick before with... we go before we start. I do want to say Matt did take it easy on you because he could have listed the prospects that the uh, New Jersey yeah, got. Thank that God. Would have been and before. that's
2: even worse. The only the only easy <clears throat> one there would have been Scott Harrington, who ironically, the Devils waved that day and Anaheim picked up.
0: Oh, boy. It's been a <laughs> tough one. Uh, but Mr. Torta. since you uh, actually helped build the San Jose uh, arena there, why don't you tell us what you think about them letting go of Timo Meyer?
5: I think the build is still going to go on. <laughs> uh, it helps. It definitely helps, but um, it's the, they're, they're at the start. You know, at the beginning, T.O. Meyer is going to be missed there, uh, but they had to be done. I mean, that team, uh, I know for a fact it's in San Jose, they they expect nothing but the best. And even though they haven't really done it so much, but that's what they expect. So... For that, yeah, I I like it. And um, for New Jersey, you know, it's not going to be their year, but it's the start of their coming year. You know, it it's going to boost that team. I mean, look at that lineup. I mean, that's a future team. <laughs> if you're a Devils fan, you got to be super excited.
0: I'd be stoked. I get a Meyer jersey a Devils for sure, absolutely. Uh, Grandy, what are you thinking? You like it, hate it, love it.
3: I like it, but I do want to point out one thing too, just because this is gonna come up in a later conversation. A very later conversation that the second I say this we'll all know what I'm talking about. But go on the immediate reaction to this is how underwhelming the return was, because that was a theme, this trade deadline. Everyone kinda said it. They were talking about two first-round picks and a prospect going back to them. And, I mean, everybody was talking about the underwhelming return San Jose got after it. I didn't think the return was that bad, personally. I liked it for San Jose. I didn't get any of New Jersey's A-level prospects, but Shakir McCool, I'm not even going to try. Shakir should be a good third.
0: <laughs> it's not just defenseman. me, thank God. <laughs> feel better about that. <laughs> the
3: worst part is, is I've said it right
1: in the past, so I can say it. And for whatever reason, I'm tripping over my own tongue right now. So I'm just not going to, go to
3: I don't think I'm going to be much more than a 3rd pairing defenseman.
1: But just they got stuff. Yeah, there we go.
3: Uh, <laughs> they got stuff to start the rebuild. They got stuff to move the rebuild forward. And that's the important part for a guy who. I already told him there wasn't, and Timo must have such a perfect jersey. It is amazing how well he's going to fit in there. It's going to be, he, they're going to be a team to watch for years to come. And we're sitting here talking about the East. There were what,
1: seven for the East right now? Uh, can you, can you look that up, Tyler? But, uh, I got right you. I up. But uh, uh,
2: yeah, double there standings. They're third in the East.
0: Jeez Louise! Well, I wish I was an East fan. This, this, Good lord, yeah, almighty. This...
2: They're one point back from Carolina and sixteen points back from Boston.
0: Oh yeah, confirm right there. Yep, Carolina. I see that. Yep, that's that's going to be insane right 86 now. Eighty-six and eighty-five points respectively. Oh,
3: They're slated. Right now, they're slated to play the Rangers. I, I really hope that stays because that will be an incredible first series.
0: So,
1: but, but yeah, the I we've
0: say, been saying it, it's but like else. looking at it here right now, seeing Boston at 101 points and the second place guy having 84 points is crazy. I know we've been talking about it. I, I, I know my brain is like, yeah, but like when you see it, like, holy crap, dude. 101, 84, and 79, the top. And that's the Atlantic. So I guess the second guess we got would actually be 86. Sorry, we're still 86 points as compared to that is just ridiculous. We have our Coyotes sitting at, you know, 51. Almost there. We almost got them. We're right there at the heels, baby. I'm
1: push.
0: I'll do it. Depending a on. Scratching and clawing, baby. We can come back. We can come back, baby. It's comeback season. It can happen. I'll Sticking just boot up my Fox and play in HL 23. Sticking with that
2: gap, depending on on how Boston plays over the next eight or nine games, they could realistically clinch the President's Trophy with more than 10 games to go. I oh, I can't remember the last time that's ever happened, insane. if that's ever happened. The
3: only time History I've ever make. seen a team this dominant was the year Tampa. We'll this, say, yeah, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had that dominant year where they then got swept by the Blue Jackets, but that... I was so- never felt like this. That never felt no. anywhere like this. Boston is a completely different level. This team is just
4: amazing.
3: And I will say, my worst take I may have had my entire career, Uh-oh. if you want to call it a career. Was saying at the start of the season that Boston was going to miss the playoffs, so you all can just go ahead and roast me for that right now. Oh, so it's yours. I did say
4: that.
1: Hey, it's, it's not yours, even
2: Paul. you. It's not even you. There were there were metropolitan fans. We got the man right here. Names in main media that made the same prediction you did that Boston wasn't going to make the playoffs.
0: But this goes to show, though, like how I'll say volatile for lack of words. Uh, sports really is. I mean, you've got the clear, I mean, but like you said, I mean, Boston was not going to make the playoffs, but now look at them 101 points in, on March 3rd. That is, that's crazy. But that's what makes it fun, too.
2: they, they could the playoffs, lose but. every game the rest of the way and they're still making the playoffs. They they could go on a 20 game losing streak and make the playoffs. Which is why yeah, they, they are put
3: the new team this trade deadline that did not
2: protect their first round pick. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't and care. New, yeah, if I was Boston, I wouldn't New Jersey at
2: New Jersey at third in the league, top two protecting their pick that went back to San Jose. I mean, that if that uh, doesn't tell you how good Connor Bedard is,
4: mm-hmm. that the
2: number three team in the league would protect their their oh. first round pick going back. I I don't know what to tell you there, but um, oh. I I do love this trade for New Jersey. Uh, it's important to mention that. They've already gone out and said that they they feel like they're not going to have any problem re-signing Timo Meyer. Um, New Jersey was reported to already be in the eight by eight and a half range. Uh, Timo Meyer looking in the eight by like nine to nine and a half range. So they're already close. Uh, he is an RFA, even though his qualifying offer is ten million. He's not going to sign a one by ten deal. Um, you know, he, he wants term. So the the cost of the qualifying offer doesn't matter to me. Uh, New Jersey's going to get something with Timo Meyer done. You add him to that core with Jack Hughes, with Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer, Jesper Bratt, um, you know, th- this team is pointed straight up. And that doesn't even get into the defensive prospects that aren't even in the league right now in Luke Hughes and Simon Nemich. They're my God, this team's going to be unreal for three to five years until they run into some of the cap issues that they have. Um, Their biggest hole right now is going to be a goaltending, but it may not matter because right now they're giving up just shy of what? 23 shots a game. They're one of the best shot suppression teams in the league. Um, if there's anybody out of the East that I think is going to contend with Boston, New Jersey would be my pick.
0: That's brought
3: up what I was going to jump in and say, so I, so we can move along. Okay.
0: All right, cool. I'll I was waiting for that. I was like, is he good? Fashion, so. Okay. Okay. Well, great. Yeah. T any last thoughts before we carry on to Vancouver? No. <laughs> okay. Fair. Nice. All right. So now we have, we have Vancouver, um, I guess out there doing their best. I'll call it. Uh, looks like they gave up. Uh, the Islanders' first rounder and their own second round pick for Horanek, a four round pick, in addition to the poor return for good old Bo Horvat. Um, and that's yeah. So, Vancouver probably the bigger dumpster fire than any Arizona sports team right now. I think maybe any team right now in North American sports, slightly better than Chelsea, I'd say. So that's not North American, but fair enough. Uh Matt, what you got sir?
2: I have no idea what they're doing out there. It seems like it doesn't matter who their VP of hockey ops is, it doesn't matter who the general manager is. Uh, the team constantly puts themselves in cap hell. Every time they make a couple of good moves like getting getting the Islanders first round pick, um you know, that that's going to be a mid-round pick this year. Uh it is top 10 protected i believe so you know if it was a lottery pick you know it defers to the next year but why why are you moving uh a potential mid-round first round pick in 2023 for philip are you trying to retool are you trying to rebuild you just traded away the face of your franchise You kind of signaled that the rebuild was starting. You've talked about buying out Connor Garland if you can't find a trade partner for him. Uh, Brock Besser and his agent have been given permission to seek out a potential trade. Um, You know they they seem to be willing to let just about everybody other than uh, uh, I can't speak today. Uh, Pedersen and Quinn Hughes go, but you know. Then they turn around and add a, you know, a piece that you would use in a retool, which, and I don't understand this from Detroit's point of view either. I think they should have held on to Aronik. But um, you you grab a piece that you could use in a retool, you give up huge assets for it, and you don't have the cap space to add anybody else. Um, You know, in addition to moving Bo Horvat and getting a relatively underwhelming return, for his services, uh, this is just another trade in a long list over the last couple of years for Vancouver. I don't know where they're going or what they're trying to achieve at this point, but it's it's a mess. It's a horrible mess over there.
0: And do you think the biggest thing would be ownership? Maybe is it just ownership, just not just being like, hey, just get enough sell tickets and that's it, or do you think it's just general actual incompetence in the front office.
2: They don't seem to have an issue spending money. I I don't see it being, you know, uh, an issue from, you know, get fans here. Do you, know, this is, this feels like ownership wants to win. They want it to happen in a two-year window or a three-year window. So they recycle uh, VPs. They recycle general managers at a little quicker rate than the rest of the league. Um occasionally they'll hold on to somebody a little longer than they should, but if it doesn't seem to work in a couple of years, they bring in the next guy, they let him start putting his uh, you know, fingerprints on the team, and by the time they get any traction, he's out, the next guy's in, and the next guy is tearing down what they've done for the last two or three years, and it's just a big vicious cycle for them right now. I just
3: I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing. It finally seems like they're approaching a full rebuild, which they should do. They should be doing what the Coyotes are doing with Elias Pedersen as their Clayton Keller, as their guy they're building around. And instead, they're trading away picks to go further over the cap. They are currently over next year's cap already. By a decent amount too. I think it's like five million. They need to trim Gee. salary, and then at this deadline, it sounds like they had multiple offers for Connor Garland, who is a guy that they're going to need to move to get under the cap again. They're talking about buying him out to do so. Crying out loud, they had multiple offers for Connor Garland and turned them down because they didn't want picks back. They wanted uh, rosterable NHL players. Why? trade him clear that salary get picks continue the rebuild just none of this makes sense so now to even get below the salary cap floor or ceiling next year before they can even sign somebody they got to trade five million just to drop below the salary cap ceiling what are they doing i just it is a complete mess it is a dumpster fire and nothing makes sense But I know this is a subject, because me and him talked before the podcast started. I know this is a subject Adam is definitely jumping at the bit to get into. So, Adam. Take it away. All right.
5: Vancouver fans, let me drop a little knowledge you're not going to get in college here. Your team sucks. Your organization sucks. Your owners suck. Keep (laughs) the Pauly's name out of your fucking mouth when you start talking about us sucking. Because your team is beyond sucking. Your team is so fucking bad, I can't fucking believe it. I I, I can't stop swearing because this is just going to be a fucking rant here. You guys are fucking stupid. What the fuck? You're going to try to get fucking players. Why? It's not going to help you this year. You're not going to do nothing except get farther away from Bedard. Who you desperately need. A hometown mode. Your homie. Your bestie. Your crime partner. Fuck it. You said ah, we don't need that motherfucker because we're going be to be try to win right now with this fucking bullshit that we're trying to get in. You need the fucking picks, but do you want the of picks? No, because you're stupid. You're fucking stupid. Just fucking wake up. Keep your name, our names, out of your mouth you got no room to talk. We're gonna be there playing the fucking games that matter. We're gonna be hosting cups. we to still be sitting there saying the same thing. Oh fuck Arizona they stag and we're we should be rebuilding but we don't rebuild because our owner won't let us shut the hell up. Get that owner out of there if you can which you're not you know kidnap them, lock them up against the head, make them see the light, do what you gotta do. But until that guy's gone, I don't care who you bring in there as your GM, he ain't going to do Gaiava. Guy you guys are a bunch of chivalas, and you guys just suck. I also hey,
0: have listeners. one note. Uh, the, so, legal team, the legal team does say to legally state that the does not in any way own the capturing or harassment of the owner of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, anything else?
5: Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly, okay, allegedly allegedly
0: kidnapping. Anything else? anything else? Okay, perfect. Uh, also Excuse to say that um... <laughs> We, he's a <laughs> contractor, Big Tortilla. He is not an official So, with that legalness out of the way, Matt, what you got for us?
2: Uh, so, I just want to let everybody know to keep an eye out for this week's poll. It will be about who hates their least favorite team more. Is it Big Tortilla hating Vancouver, or is it Tyler hating everything in Canada? <laughs>
0: I hate everything in Canada. I like the beer. I will say, Molson Canadian does hit, especially during a hockey game. So, I'll give you a tip of the cap to that, Canadians. However, the Leafs, so, and always will. If they win this in the cup, I'll jump in a frozen lake. I'll fly up there and jump in a frozen lake. Here you go. With just my chonies on. I got you. But, yeah. <laughs> I love I like the energy.
1: Fishing. <laughs> yeah, <I> like
0: fishing. <laughs> looks like a beautiful country. It. I've seen pictures. I've never been, but it looks beautiful up there. Can't get down on Putino. I don't know. Gravy and I don't know. That sounds kind of weird, but I'll try it. I won't knock until I that, try it, Granny.
3: That, that's your mistake. That's your problem.
0: I'll try I it. I said, I won't knock until I try it. I'll try it first. I won't say one way or the other. I'll say it doesn't appear appealing, but I will try it because I, I at least can do that for them. It won't do for our desert hockey, but I'll do it for them because I'm the bigger man here, as always. So, Granny, <laughs> don't say anything. Remember the contract. Remember the contract. Legal team says, remember the contract. <laughs> and also remember the potluck. So, <laughs> so then we have, um, uh, God, these names. Remember, I'm Garber- just the guest. Pa- <laughs> What's that?
1: I'm just the guest.
0: <laughs> just a guest. Exactly. Legal, thank you. Legal team is giving me a thumbs up. I think we're good to go with the rest of the podcast. Excellent. So, <laughs> before we can take it off the air about the FC, it's, uh, is Gore called the Ben Chariot of 2023 with quick going to Vegas? And how bad do you want a Vegas LA series in round one? I will not on one because I've just been kind of been quarterbacking here. Um, LA, as we kind of talked about a bit on our emergency podcast, I don't know how much that was or what wasn't. Um, did him kind of dirty. I get it's a business as you know, Haynes did put, but at the same time, it's like, that's a franchise. Great. And as he's shutting you out here. If we do that to Don, I, I would feel the exact same way. It's like you know, you don't just do that to somebody. You you do call him and say, you know, it's not just like he's like a one year guy trade him. It was a franchise face, someone that could get a statue if you were to get one. You know, anywho, uh-huh. but I think it's great that he went to Vegas. Kind of, I actually think it was you, Granny, that said he's going to go to Vegas someone. One of you said it. I don't remember who it was. Someone said going to Vegas would be funny if he did that. So whoever said that, you must have had a Nostradamus moment, whatever.
3: I, I didn't um, say that. But yes,
0: I do want that. That's really bad. It was you, so Granny Stardomus. Um, that is your new name for the day. <laughs> um, so I, I like it. I want to see it. I want to see Jonathan Quick just absolutely, if I may, uh say a curse word legal team, meet them. Uh dick down the LA team in round one. So <laughs> Matt, if you want to start and get us back to elegance and grace in this podcast.
2: Uh, man, I'm I'm not usually the guy for that. Um, so <laughs> so Gavrakov reminds me a lot of Ben Sherat. Last year in Montreal, getting a first round pick for him um i I don't know what team saw in Gavrikov, but i I think l a way overpaid um I think it was what a first, a third, and quick for Gavrikov and Corpusalo. Corpusalo has been a backup all year. his numbers haven't been great. He's not necessarily the tipping point there. If you call quick and Gavri- or, uh, Quick" and Corpusalo, you know, just a, a one-for-one swap there, I think a lot of people would agree with that. A first and a third for Gavrikov, though, that's bad. I, I don't know what L.A. was doing. This is going to be very eye-opening um, in terms of Gavrikov's play and, and his lack of abilities, I should say, um, you know, when it comes to them expecting him to play big minutes.
1: So, if I may jump in here.
3: What, and this is, goes back to the bench rock comparison. One of the most overrated thing is defensemen who block an absolute ton of shots. Because the reason they are blocking so many shots is that they are stuck in the defensive zone. They can't get the puck out. And that is exactly Gavrikov's problem. He... He blocks shots. He sacrifices his body. And he's pretty physical. He's decently physical. I wouldn't call him a physical defenseman, but he's, he's decently physical. But he gets hemmed in his own zones pretty often because he can't get the puck out. He has no puck moving skills and Columbus doesn't have the partner to play with him that does. Um, He's not great positionally. He's not. There's nothing really wows me to his game. He's a good Third pairing defenseman that can maybe step on and play second pairing if, if, in the crunch, if need be, but you have to have the right partner with him. I think they vastly overpaid, and they didn't have to move that much more to just go out and get Chickering. Like, come on, why not just pony up, pay the price, and actually bite the bullet to go out and get somebody of actual quality rather than. Dump a franchise legend on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, And for what it's worth, not just dump a franchise legend. Jonathan Quick did more for the Kings organization to win those cups than Dustin Brown ever did. Dustin Brown got a statue. Jonathan Quick got dumped unceremoniously on the Columbus Blue Jackets.
0: After winning a game.
2: Like, what what
0: are you? Yeah,
2: just look. Yeah, that was reported to be one of like the most tense plane rides home. Oh, Um, my bad. On Anze Kopitar scores four goals in the game, and apparently he was like fuming after the game, hearing about Quick getting moved. That that plane ride had to be terrible for everyone involved. Treat your franchise legends
3: with respect. Once you win those cups, This is part of the price of winning those cups. It it sucks when it happens, but it is part of the price is paying those guys with respect. Not if he wants to get moved like Patrick Kane. Chicago Blackhawks were stuck. They could have just said, you know what, Patrick Kane, we're not getting enough for you. We want you to retire with us. He wanted out. They did the right thing by trading him away to the only team he would accept a trade to treat your legends with respect after they've won you cups. Just that's all I got to say. I Just again, makes me hate the Kings organization even more. I can't believe I'm sitting here on a soapbox defending Jonathan quick of all people, but it'd be worse. Like it
2: I'll never defend yeah, Justin, be Justin
0: Brown. Fuck him
3: over. Yeah. Over my dead body. Just not going to happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to add just too like, Free agents and players talk like this, and they see this stuff too. And they know, like, well, why- I go to LA, fuck them. You know, what I mean, they're just gonna trade me away. What if they do it to me? You know, it, it, it talks. It, it kills morale. It does. I mean, LA, yeah, you fucked up more than just you know. And yeah, I hope
3: all numbers this year are better than Jonathan Quick's numbers. Again, there's no question about that. But this is his career best season, and he's a nine eleven save percentage. That's not exactly stellar. There's not anything to write home about. Um, he's done it behind a really porous defense, but one of those really porous defensemen went with him. Like, come on. Just, I don't get this trade from LA's perspective. I don't get trading away this much for two UFAs, and in the process, dumping your franchise legend. Um, but this is the amount of thought I want to give to the LA Kings. Done with them. So let's
0: go kick it over to Adam. Oh wait, actually legal team is giving me another piece of paper to read real quick. It says, um, also to make sure that it is known that the Chirpin Yonts podcast is not condone loving the kings and in fact hates them all. So with that being said, thank you, Legal Team. Adam, the floor is yours.
5: I just got told on my wife to be nice. So <laughs> Okay, so being the old guy here, who runs that team in LA? The legendary Bob chain. Blake. Huh. Oh, Bob Blake. The legend. Mr. King himself. So he knows what it means
1: to be a king, and he's going to do that to another legend. That makes it a lot worse. It's,
0: it just gets worse, uh, baby. Fuck uh, you, City. LA. Your traffic is <laughs> terrible. <laughs>
1: And I'm flying into a
0: LAX, too, in July, so be prepared me to shit on that statue. Allegedly. Uh, this is a legal <laughs> joke. My goodness. Love- okay, legal teams, that thumbs up. All right, we're good. But, yeah.
5: That is a cheap-ass move mm-hmm. to do that to him. I mean, I don't like Quick, but you got to give it up to him. He's done it, and he's been there, and he's battled for your organization, good and bad, and you're just going to treat him like that? Mr. Rob Blake, Mr. King, you know what that Morning, organization Blake. Is. That is a terrible, terrible thing. And hats off to Columbus. for realizing what happened and then shipping them off to Vegas. I mean, oh, well, uh, we're not in the Pacific anymore, so, yeah, good. <laughs> so, it doesn't really affect us, but, I mean, don't they play each other tonight?
2: Uh, matter of fact, I don't... I don't think so. I think they play towards the end of the year. I want to say April 6th, something like that. Tonight? One thing I do uh, want to, add no. to
0: that
1: though,
2: is
3: that uh, based on uh, mathematics, they are LA's most likely first-round opponent. So <laughs> tell me we don't all want to
0: I, I fucking I love math. i
3: sure for Vegas, except in this one circumstance.
0: Actually, matter of fact, I'll add this. If they, if that is the first round matchup, the Chirpin' Yotes will host a watch party on Discord. We will host it. We will watch together and watch <laughs> LA shit themselves in honor of the fucking that was Jonathan Quick. So if you made it this far in the podcast, know that if they do make it, we are going to have a Discord watch party. I don't give a damn. We're doing it because I think that is uh, great. A Discord hate watch of the Kings. I'm all That's for it. it. That's it. Yes. The team gives thumbs up to that, so we're good.
5: Again, I'm in the Wayback Machine getting the VCR and recording that one, too.
0: <laughs> VCR. Put
2: like, the VCR Dad?
0: <laughs> it's like the thing you put on top of the little 8-track player, right? Same thing.
1: It's always bleaking 12. Wow, wow,
0: wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now let's get to the part of the show where we talk about our Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Um, we've had yeah. a lot of trades. I mean, Jacob Trickwin's gone. We did briefly touch on that well, the other night now during a storm, recorded live uh, while on the road. Several of us were on the road that night. Um, And we also had a couple of small Nick dead, all that stuff. So I guess, uh, Matt, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Just give us a general kind of like, give me a grade if you can. I know it's stupid to grade, but just for the, the audience back home, what would you say? How well did we do this deadline?
2: Um, I... I think they did better than a lot of people are going to give them credit for because there's a lot of people that undervalue or think the, the return for Jacob Chikorin was underwhelming. Um, oh, wow. I disagree with it because I, I don't see a scenario where Ottawa finishes better than the eighth wild card spot in the East and then gets absolutely shit-rolled by Boston. So that pick is more than likely going to be 17 or lower. Um, my guess is probably going to be in the 10 to 14 range. That's to me, that's better than a, a very late first round in this year with a late first round in a very, eh, it's an okay draft in 2024. Um, additionally, what nobody else is really talking about is the second round pick in 2024 is Washington's not, not Ottawa's Washington's going the wrong direction that pick could very easily be low 40s high 30s that you wow. know your your eight picks maybe away from a late first rounder in that pick um wow. you know value wise to me i i think they got a lot more than people are going to give them credit for right now uh in the wow. in the chicken deal um additionally we move ghost to carolina 2026 third round pick i believe little underwhelming on the return, but everybody's got to keep in mind, we were paid a second and a seventh round pick to take him and then later trade him for a third round pick. Uh, Additionally, Bukestad going to Edmonton. um, Part of that trade saw uh, Mike Kesselring come back. He's actually going to make his debut tonight for the Coyotes. Uh, Craig Morgan announced that a couple hours ago. Uh, he led all, at the time of the trade, was leading all AHL defensemen in goals. Uh, I believe he's like 6'3", 6'4", big right-shot defenseman. He's only 23 years old. Uh, you know, reminds me a lot of like an Ilya Labushkin type with a little better shot. So, let's see what we get out of him. A um, couple of small trades that happened close to the deadline or close to the end of the deadline here. Um, Brett Ritchie coming over in exchange for Nick Ritchie. Uh, it's the first time in NHL history that brothers have been traded for one another. Um, also in that deal, the Coyotes pick up Connor Mackey and send um, Troy Stetcher, I believe, uh, with Nick Ritchie to Calgary. I
0: want to add real quick, just, I meant to add this earlier, just when you said Craig Morgan, it just hit me. Uh, he also said that um, he's cleaned the house of all of our pending UFAs too, which is nice. Something just quick to add. I forgot to add that earlier. so That's great. So, Grandy.
4: I'd have to
3: give our trade deadline overall a solid B+. The trick and trade, again, I kind of echo Matt's sentiments here because it's better than a lot of people are giving it credit for. I would much rather be picking this pick is likely to be in the 8 to 15 range that's where it's most likely to be if they go on a run the absolute worst case scenario is it gets like matt said 17 the first team out of the playoffs because they're going up against the buzzsaw bruins there's nothing about the ottawa centers that says oh hey we can hang with the bruins they don't have stellar gold they don't have a really good first line, but they don't have the depth to hang with them. Nothing about them says that they can hang with the Bruins in a seven-round playoff series. So that's the absolute worst-case scenario. More than likely, this is going to finish up somewhere in the 8-14 to 14 range, though. So when there. And that's a whole tier of players that we've discussed multiple times on this pod. We really should get a pick in, because there's really good players in that range here, this was the only way we were going to get that range. I would much rather have that than say the Bruins pick in 32, which has was mock traded. I need to tell you how the Bruins tri- pick was mock traded to us. Um and then a pick next year that would be in the late 20s. <sighs> this was so much better return. But so just don't focus on that we didn't get two first round picks. The quality of the pick matters. And we got a great quality here. And something I mentioned to Adam before we started too, something that I think could be a real possibility is looking at Vancouver, they need to dump salary. They have a couple guys where their salary cap hit is greater than their uh, dollar amount, like a Tyler Myers, for instance. What's the chances of going up to Vancouver saying, hey – you want our 12th overall pick for your 8th overall pick, and we'll take on Tyler Myers as to get you below the cap ceiling so that you can start making moves and improve your team. I mean, there's just it opens up so many possibilities, so many more uh, scenarios where we can do stuff like that to improve this team long-term for a guy who didn't want to be here. Um, it's just the trade has gotten way too much grief. So
1: I like that trade
3: overall. It may not be the perfect return. It may not be the absolute most perfect return, but again, uh, when Detroit traded for Islanders pick, I immediately sent a text to Matt saying, Hey, we should be going after this pick. This is the best possible pick we could get for Chikrin. Cause I didn't think the Senator's pick was going to be in play. So the Senators' pick is a better pick than the Islanders' pick, in my opinion. Maybe it's not by the time the draft, but there's also no reports that Detroit was looking to trade for chicken anyways.
2: So
1: it's just... It's worth... Again,
2: what's... go ahead, Matt. It's worth noting, as of right now, when when you talk about the Islanders' pick and the Senators' pick, the Islanders are currently sitting in a wildcard spot, and the... Senators, uh, their best odds given by anybody right now is Money Puck at thirty six percent to make the playoffs, uh, <laughs> and that that's best case in terms of odds by anybody. So, yeah, I'm I'm one hundred percent with you on that. the The Ottawa pick makes a ton more sense than trying to finagle the pick away from Detroit. Tom um, so
3: Lutuisian's model, if has usually been the most accurate at predict, predicting playoff teams. And when they acquired Chikrin, their playoff percentage went from 8.4 to
4: 8.8. They're not,
3: they're not barring something nearly miraculous. They're not making the playoffs. It's just there's too many three-point games coming up at the end of the year. We see this every year. A team gets hot and all... Oh, suddenly talks about making the playoffs and they finish at the 13th worst team because there's so many three point games down the stretch as everyone's trying to get every single point they possibly can.
2: Um, and so at, at just, the time of that model too, I, I do remember seeing what you're talking about. Um, that was prior to Buffalo acquiring Jordan Greenway. That was prior to Pittsburgh acquiring Kulikov and Nick Bonino um, uh, so there there's teams that they're competing with right there that are adding pieces as well, um, you know, within the last hour that are gonna make them harder to surpass. I I would take Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders over Ottawa right now. Uh, uh, the Islanders are in a weird place, but I, I still think they're they're a deep enough team. If Florida can figure it out, they're gonna be hard to stay ahead of as well. So it, it's, it really would be a tough test for Ottawa to make up ground. Right now I think it's five points um, just to get into a wild card spot. And got roughly 20 games left. And Ottawa has the fifth most difficult strength of schedule remaining um, of any team in the league. That's huge to try and overcome.
3: Moving on to other trades. Like I said, I like this trade. I'd give this trade a B for us. But and that's but that's kind of what that and the spare trade, spare was underwhelming. You kind of hoped we would get more, but one thing you saw time and again this this trade deadline cap is king, cap space and money was king. You were getting more for the retention than uh, you were getting for the player in some of these trades late on. So not retaining on spare. did hurt the return slightly. And honestly, I'm okay with that because I really, really like the trade of for Bugestead. Getting a third-round pick and Kesselring, who I'd probably place a third-round value on coming back to us, is a really strong return for Bugestead, a guy who almost looked like he was done. So... I'm really happy with that. It's, again, sad, it's sad to see all three of these guys go. They were all pillars of this team this year, and especially Bukestead and Bear really took to being on this team. So it's sad to see these guys go, but we got, we did very well with it. Um, and going back to Kesselring, though, what he reminds me of, I'm not talking play style, I'm not talking anything like that, but what uh, he reminds me of is kind of where Valamaki was last year, where he was so clearly too good to be in the AHL, but his team wasn't, or was trying to compete and wasn't going to put up with a young defenseman learning to play on their team, so he never had a chance of making it. Um, Now, I'm not saying he's going to take the league Valamaki did. I don't think anybody saw that coming, but I think he'll be a good, solid third, uh, third-pairing guy for us. But uh, Adam, what do you have to
5: say on our trades? I think I changed my mind because I was a high C. And now I'm kind of with you, I'm like a B to a B minus. Um, one thing I told my son it doesn't matter what you value your players at, it's what they're willing to pay to get that player. So, those people who, who are underwhelmed about the chicken trade, I say Chale because that means you don't know what this draft is. I mean, yeah, it's Connor Bedard, but there are other great players who I would not want to pass up on that could be on this team that would help this team win, and I'm ex- so excited about that. I mean, I even tweeted about it. If we don't change our, our position and Ottawa doesn't change our position, we can get two really great offensive players, our really great D-man. So I'm really excited about that. And you know that's what we've always said, right? It's how we build this team is to, to through the draft and go forward. This is the perfect way to do it. So it's we may say, oh, he was worth more, but again, it's what someone was willing to pay for. Like you said, that value from Ottawa it was a lot more than from whatever the other team was going to offer us. So yeah, I'm totally happy with that. I'm not even worried about that. And with Shane Gosper, same thing. You know. Should we have gotten more? Yeah, but it was what teams were willing to pay, and you know, it was, it was free money. Uh, we're playing with house money at the time, so yeah. And then you know, the way he left, you know, you never know what could happen down in the future. He could come back, you know, or you know, maybe even just come back when his career is over as a coach and help out the younger kids. I mean, he loved it here, so I don't even trip it off of that. So yeah, um, Boogie, I, I just, you know, he was Boogie. I mean you can't love that you can't but help but love that guy. So uh yeah, I don't know too much about about the guy we got back in return. So yeah, I'm gonna have to trust what you guys said. Um but from what I'm hearing, it sounds great. So and then Camden I loved it loved it when we drafted him, but he just he wasn't cutting it, you know he He's gonna be a, an emergency call up type of player. He's not gonna be an everyday player. You know, that's just what he is, you know. And he was a nice piece, you know. And you know, who knows maybe he does turn on for him in Edmonton and you know, but, you know, who could be mad at that? You know, young kid starting his career. So I I think we're a solid B. I like the moves that we did. Um we didn't lose anything. You know, we're in fact, we probably even gained a, a better shot at getting Bernard or our Tilly.
1: So, really, in the end, you know, you really can't complain.
2: <laughs> in addition to, you know, everything that we just talked about as far as players going out, picks coming back, the two things not mentioned, uh, the third-round pick for retaining 25% of Patrick Kane's contract, um, That's that's great value right there. Um, Kane was owed I believe $6.9 million in real cash this year uh, by the time we got to the trade deadline it was somewhere in the neighborhood of around $2 million, Um with Chicago retaining half of that and us taking 25% uh, the actual cost of us acquiring that third round pick in real dollars was right around 720000 uh, which is very little and then uh, taking on uh, Jacob Voracek's contract to get a sixth round pick. It's been reported that his injury uh, is likely career ending, but the injury itself is fully insured. So the Coyotes really aren't coming out of pocket anything for that sixth round pick either. Uh, when you add those two things in, uh, you know, the, the Coyotes walked away with a cache of picks again this year.
0: Backing up assets, kind of the point of the rebuild. And just to kind of piggyback on that rebuild thing, you know, I see a lot of people are sad and even some confused. Some I know a little more casual. and That's not a diss. That is not, some, I mean, that in a derogatory way. Being like, well, why aren't we getting better players? Why are we doing this? Well, you know, it sucks. You know, honestly, losing Goss despair and a lot of the players that I liked a lot, it sucks. I know the future's worth it and all that stuff, but just know that it is valid to feel dejected, sad distraught if you want to take a little break coyotes a little bit just because you know your hurt favorite player got traded that's totally valid so i want to give a little shout out real quick to those guys out there because i, I feel it too you know i saw all this and then now people are like oh the coyotes are taking all this fake money it should something be done about that first of all it's in the cba not the coyotes um it's we played by the rules we broke no rules broke no law uh don't like it well hopefully the next cba can fix it that's not our problem so I just wanted to add that quick aside. So before, I think that's pretty much covered everything we wanted to really kind of talk about. So before we kind of real wrap quick, this up.
4: I
3: do, I do want to jump back in, though, real quick, because there is one reported offer that did come out. Okay. Uh, it looks like this, this is for David to put in notice so take it with a grain of salt. But there was a reported offer of Tobias Bjornfoot and a first this year and a first next year or 25. I can't remember that part for chikrin and i'd rather have the return we got i bjornford's going to be a decent nhl player but i see a third liner there or third third pairing guy not mine my bad so nothing to write home about there you're talking two picks in the late 20s i'd much rather have the pick 13 this year it's just
4: don't get caught up
3: in the two first. Just don't get caught up in that. Look at the actual value of where we're picking.
0: You either so get that's all I wanted like to add. Burger King Coke or McDonald's Coke at this rate. You know, everyone knows McDonald's Coke is the best Coke you can ever get on a dispensary. I don't care. Fight me. You know what I mean? So it's like that. It'll give me the McDonald's Coke every single time, you know, but those chicken fries are pretty good. I will say Burger King got them chicken fries unlocked. but actually one topic I did forget. My mistake. Schmaltz. so he has already been. But do you think he didn't get moved? But do you think he is a piece that gets moved during the draft? I know we're having a draft special as well, which you know I'll get to that in a second. But what do you guys think about Schmaltz? How you so you real think?
3: quick before we before we start this, this is a debate. Just so everyone is aware, this is a debate me and Matt have been having for probably what a year and a half, give or take. Um, oh, problem, off and man. on. So, but I'll, I want Matt to give his full argument first. And then I'll respond and then you guys can chip in with whatever your thoughts is after that.
4: All
2: right. So I think there's an aspect here that gets overlooked way too frequently. Um, Teams rebuilding, uh, you know, everybody says, we'll just strip it down to the core, add as many assets, bring in as many pieces Um, You know, do anything and everything you can, move out anybody who's not part of the future. Um, Yeah, that's one way to go about it. In a rebuild, when you've got 18, 19, 20-year-old players who are too good to be in juniors, too good to be in the NCAA like Logan Cooley, um, and these guys are coming into the NHL, if you want them to develop correctly, you have to put players around them who can put them in situations where they're going to develop some of their strengths. Um, We saw it with, I mean, we've seen it this season with Barrett Hayton. Um, Zach Cassian, Liam O'Brien, you know, guys like that, they do nothing for a player's development, uh, especially on offense, when they're chasing the game the entire time. Um, players have to be put in situations to develop skills. You can't learn them all at practice. Nick Schmaltz is one of the best players in the league at possession zone entries. Uh, he's an excellent playmaker. He's a solid finisher. Um, if you want a guy like Logan Cooley to come along quickly, having Schmaltz on his wing is a am huge... sorry about that is a huge advantage um, and a huge reason to keep him. I understand there's some real money concerns there. Um, As a fan, that's not really my concern um, in terms of what the assets coming back could be. Do I want to see the team pick up a late first-rounder this year, maybe a couple of second-round picks for him or something, as opposed to having him there helping develop guys like Dylan Gunther, uh, Logan Cooley, potentially, you know, who knows what happens with the lottery this year. Would I like to see him here if Adam Fantilli is in the lineup? Absolutely. Matias Michelli has looked night and day better on the power play, playing with, um, you know, guys like Keller, like Schmaltz, Then he has an even strength playing with Bukestad. Um, nothing against Nick Bukestad. He served a great role, and there's there's a lot to be said about, the culture that a veteran like dad brings but there's only so much that young players can learn from journeyman line mates um my prime example of this is the new york rangers from 2017 to 2020 they picked in the top 10 four times in 2017 it was um leah sanderson who's now in la never progressed in new york uh never got the the requisite you know top 6 minutes uh or the opportunity 2018 they take Kratzov who's now in Vancouver and in the couple of games he's played there has looked unbelievable but New York basically told him well we want to keep you in the American League because we don't have a top 6 spot for you um uh, 2019 they take Capo uh Capo second overall his development there has been terrible. He's been stuck playing third and fourth line minutes, not getting top six time playing with journeyman line mates. Alex Lafreniere supposed to be a franchise talent winger gets put in the same situation. I, I know maybe I'm dragging on a little bit here, but my point is you need players like Nick Schmaltz to help develop the young talent you have coming in, because it's a lot to ask of a, an 18- or a 19-year-old to drive play on their own. Um, Yes, Clayton Keller's still here. Clayton Keller is probably the future captain of this team. He's going to be here for a long time. But you can't ask one player to do it by themselves. Um, I, I don't know that keeping Schmaltz for another year really hurts the tank all that much. I actually think that the potential for return a year from now when at the start of 2024 the cap is suspected to jump about four and a half million a year that's almost schmaltz's entire cap hit i think it becomes a lot easier to find a team that's willing to overpay for him just a little bit i think it'd be a huge mistake trying to move him at draft day right now if for no other reason than development of some of the guys coming up. Because let's be honest, this team's not going to be winning games with these young players in the lineup. So individual on-ice success goes a long way in player development. And that individual success doesn't happen if you don't have one or two good line mates to put around those guys.
3: My problem with using the Rangers um, as a comparison is... They had Kreider, they had Zabinajet, they had Panarin for most of that. They had Trauba, they had, they had plenty of guys. In fact, that was almost a bigger issue, is that they had too many of those types, and these guys couldn't play in the top six and get the requisite minutes that they needed to grow. Um, they blocked so many of their prospects, because Lafreniere is still on the third line, because you're not going to play them over Kra- or Kreider or uh, Panarin.
1: Uh, and, and I do only, agree with that. Yeah, I do so, agree
2: with that. I, I guess more what I was getting at was playing those guys with Brendan Lemieux and you know players of that nature that doesn't help their development at all. Like Kako Capo, no, his, or Capo is not going to become a real NHL force if he's trying to adjust his game and he's developing his game to play well with you know a fourth line plug it it's not beneficial to you know his development and the reality is you want Kako and Lafreniere to be that guy more than you want Chris Kreider or Vincent Trocek to be that guy um for a little while Jimmy VC saw top six minutes um uh, Sammy Blay saw some top six minutes, uh, not recently, but did. Um, those, are, those are major issues, and the reason I use New York, and this goes back to what we talked about in New York trying to get out of their own way you know, in the playoffs, they do a terrible job of developing young guys because they don't put them in the correct situations and around the right players to make it work.
3: So I'm in favor of trading Nick Schmaltz personally. I think his value will never be higher. I think he could go for a late lottery mid round first this year. In fact, there's so many teams looking to take that next step this year that I think there's a real chance that somebody will pay up that plus a couple later picks, uh, further down. Um, but I just, I think a, his Value will never be higher. Two or B. I do think that that no trade clause. I teams that are going to be on as no trade clause aren't going to be the teams looking to trade for them more than likely. But teams still use that as leverage as hey, you can't even talk to these teams because so you got to take a lesser return from us that you can talk to. Um. But I think the development of these players—you still have Kraus, you still have Keller, you still have—we um, don't really have much on the back end that's going to be veterans. But you're going to ha- you're going to have to bring in some other guys for this. But Cooley's not going to be playing with Christian Fisher. He's going to be playing with Keller or Kraus or Michelli or Gunther. These guys are going to be playing with each other and growing with each other. It's going to be rough for a couple of years as we watch them take their bumps, but I don't know that keeping Schmaltz really does much other than block a top six role for one of these players. If you bring up all of, let's say we do get the, uh, a top three pick. So you're drafting just throwing it out there, Adam Fantilli. You now have Adam Fantilli, Logan Cooley, Dylan Gunther, Matthias Macelli. So you're going to have next year, just making the team, if we get a top three pick, you're going to have a Adam Fantilli, Connor Bedard, you're going to have a Dylan Gunther, you're going to have Matthias Macelli, you're going to have Logan Cooley, and who knows who else is even going to be fighting for a top six spot. That's four guys just right off the bat that are going to need top six minutes almost from the get-go. I just don't want to see these guys blocked because we didn't want to move Nick Schmaltz when his value was at the highest. We've seen the same thing happening with the Kings where they block their own prospects, and you're seeing it take an effect on guys like Alex Turcott and until this year, Quentin Byfield. Um I just fear that blocking prospects from the minutes that they should get is just as destructive as not having the guys there to lead them. And again, Keller, Kraus, and he's not going to lead in play style, but in his off-ice mannerisms, Christian Fisher is one of those types of guys that players will look up to with that. You're going to have a good leadership with those three guys for them to look up to. And they're going to be playing with each other. It's going to be rough as we take the lumps again, which we've said for I for. Almost all year, next year still going to be rough because these guys will take their lumps together. I just don't want to see these guys get blocked from top six minutes and eased in the way Hayton was at the start of the year. If Hayton started the year playing between Schwartz and Keller, maybe he hits his stride a lot sooner than he did when we were still trying to stick Boyd there.
2: And that's exactly um, my point. You, you hit it exactly. Hayton should be there. He wasn't blocked by anybody who is deserving of being in the top six. Um, his development was definitely furthered this year by playing with better players. I I don't see a scenario where Lawson Krause is driving play. Um, that's not a slight at Lawson Krause at all. I think he's a very important part of the future. But Lawson Krause's biggest asset um, is his size and his ability to finish. But he's not a play driver, not not in the slightest. Right now we have two. We have Keller and we have Schmaltz. Um, if, if you want to add Michelli in that, you can add Michelli to that because I do think he drives play. But there's also Michelli's development. I mean, we're still talking about a 22-year-old who's a rookie this year. Um, I, I don't like the idea. I never have liked the idea of a team um stripping down every good play and and you know if we're talking about a, a earlier pick in this year's draft then yeah maybe that's okay because you're really getting a good prospect if we're talking about trading Schmaltz for a late 20s pick an early 30s pick um you know what are the odds you hit on that pick as opposed to having Schmaltz there to help with development The reality is there's a big if in the Coyotes getting a lottery pick to needing five top six spots in addition to Keller. Um, Right now, there's not enough players that are going to graduate to the team that need that. You might have Barrett Hayton, Logan Cooley, Dylan Gunther, Matthias Michelli, Clayton Keller, and Nick Schmaltz. That's your ideal top six. Lawson Kraus fits as a third-line winger, as a power play guy, as a penalty killer. Um, uh, if you do the rebuild right, Lawson Kraus is never going to be in your top six. Um, with any luck, he's not, because if he is playing top six minutes three or four years from now, you missed on a couple of picks. So even with Schmaltz there, I do think there's plenty of top six room uh, for the guys that they currently have here. Assuming they draft at six or seven or whatever, they get a guy like Nathan Smith, um, Zach Benson, uh, Oliver Moore. You know those guys are still going to spend a year or two elsewhere. Um, I I think another year of schmaltz is a real good thing.
3: The other thing, the other thing that getting a pick this year does to me is we get a guy in two years versus a guy in four years if we trade him next year or three years if we trade him next year. Um, We just get that guy into the lineup sooner, whether it's a defenseman, which I think if we were to get a third lottery pick, we're taking one of the top defensemen in this year's draft. Um, But I just – the other thing that comes up too is he's going to be 30 when this contract comes up. I understand the thought of keeping them an extra year as these guys grow, and again, I'm I'm for trading him. I'm not saying we need to trade him at all costs. I'm just saying it makes sense to trade him at this draft. But just between his contract being up when he's 30 and looking at either signing him long term again, which I think would be a mistake at that age, or trading him in or trading him at that deadline. Gives you a first that you're not going to see for six years from now. Essentially, the plan for this team.
2: So, no, but if you go off of Armstrong's timeline, Armstrong's in the five to six year range for coming out of the rebuild. Um, yes, we do know it gets sped up if they, you know, if the lottery falls their way this year. Um, but I, again, I, I don't think a, without knowing what pick you're getting back, uh, so trading him this year, for an earlier first-round pick. If you can't do that, I, I don't think you're, you're looking at, you know, at pick 30, do we like somebody enough to move him off the team? And that was, that was something that Armstrong also talked about at the beginning of this year um, when he was on the PHNX podcast. He talked about he was approached – um you know saying that hey you know there were rumors about Nick Schmaltz being available and he said no 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 he's he's a great player we like him here we have no intention of moving him um i do think the team see, sees some value in that as well and then there's some off-ice things there with Schmaltz as well of all the players that could have been at the Tempe council meeting it was Schmaltz Keller and Fisher um, Lawson Kraus wasn't there. Uh, J.J. Moser wasn't there. Um, Michelli wasn't there. Dylan Gunther wasn't there. You know, these guys who were in town weren't at that meeting. What this, what Schmaltz has meant to the team on and off the ice, what he potentially means for the development of prospects. I think at some point this is kind of like, I don't know if you guys remember, Five years ago, six years ago, maybe, uh, Redeem Verbata, his last year here, he's got like 26 goals at the deadline. Nobody would offer a first-round pick for him, and the Coyotes chose to hold on to him because his value to the players that are around him and what he's able to instill on the guys around him outweigh what that pick might be. So I really do think you have to get an offer that absolutely blows you away to move Schmaltz because I I do think the value outside of just, well, he helps win games, you know, him and Keller have chemistry, that sort of thing. I I think there's a lot more value that's offered um, on a, on a much deeper level to a lot of the younger players.
3: No. So me and Matt have now dominated this podcast for what, five, six, seven minutes. Um, I do want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So Adam, why don't you uh, why don't you kick it off and then we'll get to Tyler, or did you want to go first, Tyler? Uh, I saw you
0: raise matter. your hand there. I can go first. Okay. Yeah, I can pop in. Oh. Honestly, cool. I, I gotta go mad on this one. I think there's something to be said of a mentorship and all that. So I just see mad. I'd, yeah, I mean, I, but I also understand Granny too. Definitely, you know, it is good to get the capital, but I think at this point, with this kind of being like our big tank draft, I think this would be time to get the mentorship. So. That's all I had to say about that.
2: And just real quick before you jump in, Adam, um, in addition to what you were talking about with adding capital, we made seven selections in the first three rounds last year. They've got 22 picks in the first three rounds over the next three years as well. Um, I don't see this as being like a Philadelphia situation where they're starved for draft capital and you move a piece like Schmaltz because you need that draft capital i don't think that capital's in need right now
0: Kind of that phase too he kind of made up for at least i'll say made up for uh what what's his name i remember the guy's name uh old gm it just escaped me um uh chica. John, chica. john chica thank you just totally escaped i forgot about that guy he said bogeyman dreams yeah that guy sucks um <laughs> if he is listening to this just know you suck um but Yes. Yeah, so I think, yeah, the mentorship is definitely more important at the, at the stage that we're going into, I think the mentorship and having that, and I think he's a fan, fairly fan favorite, I guess. So that's also something to be said for too, but uh, go ahead, Adam.
1: Uh, yeah, I like the mentorship. Um, we will never know what impact having Kessel here did for, uh, Keller. Um, he probably learned a lot from him and the knowledge that uh,
5: Schmaltz has that they're not going to get in college passing on to the young guys is going to be huge as far as the, you know, unless they give us something really big come trade deadline, I don't see moving them. And we can also pick up other assets um, in other ways. I mean, I heard a report where Toronto was thinking about moving their first for two seconds and we could do that. We have the capital to do that. So, but then again, that's if Gubis if, uh, is still there. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we, we could, you can, we can get the assets without trading uh schmaltz away. I'd rather have schmaltz. Um, you still need uh, names to put in the seats as these guys learn. I mean, so yeah, I would rather have the experience and passing it on than uh than the the, the picks. Um, we're gonna get high quality picks as it is. Uh, from what I've heard uh from the couple of shows that I listened to, uh the twenty twenty four draft uh, may not be as bad as everyone thinks it 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 will be, and may actually turn out to be a pretty good one. So. We got a lot of picks there, too, so we definitely have the capital to move forward. Um, we need, you know, I think it was Fish that said that the experience he learned from watching Donor was, was uh, huge on his life. I know he doesn't play here anymore, but,
1: um, oh, what's his name? Christian
4: Dvorak. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: I have a feeling you and yeah, I are on the same page here, Christian Dvorak you talking about yeah. following along with Doan as well?
5: Yeah, but also uh, he was a killer D. Uh, plays oh. from Florida. Uh,
2: Duclair, uh, Anthony Duclair.
5: Duclair. He, he also said that uh, having a Donor was a huge impact on his life and that he learned a lot from him. So having uh, Schmaltz, uh, who is a quiet guy, but a, a good, lock, good locker room guy, and he loves it here too, so you can't pass all that up. I mean that—that's uh, you need that as well, um, and I think the, uh, Bill Armstrong knows that. So, I unless you get a package at the deadline that is like huge, that you just be draft. stupid if Yeah, at the draft. Sorry, thank you. At the draft, if it's something huge, then yeah, you got to take it. But I'd rather have him <laughs> here. Uh,
1: that was one
3: thing with my with my argument is I'm not saying we need to trade him at all costs. By no means am I saying we need to trade him at all costs. Uh, it's just one of those things. I do think there's going to be picks like that available. Should you, sh- hmm. excuse me, should you shop? Should you shop him around at the draft?
2: So that's where
3: that's where my, my-
2: yeah shopping and moving aren't yeah. shopping and moving aren't quite you know the same thing in that sense. I I do think the offer has to blow you away, though. Um, again, I'm not totally biased against him moving. I'd, I'd be okay with it if the return is huge.
5: I understand the reasoning for it, you know, his age and all that. And, yeah, I agree with all that, you know. But I understand you guys. No one here is saying we want to move him. You know, it sounds like it's It's like if it is, it, it is. But. I'd rather keep him.
3: <laughs> no, and if we had moved him at the deadline, I would, uh, personally, I wouldn't have been happy because we got to have some reason to watch these games. We have to have some reason to watch yeah. these games. And my whole argument lies in knowing where we pick with, when we trade him. Like with the, the chicken trade, we don't know. We can have a good guess, but we don't know where we're going to pick. And nobody was giving up a pick like that for Schmaltz at the deadline it's a lot easier to do that at the draft when you see, Hey, we have a young up and coming team. We just need that veteran piece to take us over the next, next, uh, hump. So, um, but again, if we don't move him at the draft, I'm not going to be devastated. I love watching Schmaltz. He's become one of my favorite players. It's just, I see where it makes sense. And, I would be all for moving it because I think getting the assets now versus in three, four years or letting him walk for nothing in three, four years. I think it just helps us out that much more. That's all.
2: Yeah. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I don't see him at any point walking for nothing. Um, You know, even if they have to trade him at the deadline in the last year of his contract, Um, uh, he's, He's going to have value in the league for a long time. This isn't like he's had one great season and he's on everybody's radar at 26 years old and it's an outlier. So he's going to have value. I would imagine at some point he will get traded. Uh, he's not going to walk from here in free agency. I, my argument isn't that he shouldn't be traded. It's that he shouldn't be traded yet. Um, I think another season and a half of Schmaltz, especially knowing that Cooley and Gunther are both probably going to be full-time NHL players next year. I think that's important. I think it's very important to have at least two guys in Keller and Schmaltz um, to help with the development of of Cooley, Gunther, and Michelli. And Hayton, honestly. Uh, You know, Hayton's Hayton's kind of the forgotten guy here because of his age. Um, a lot of people have already written him off, but he's got 10 goals, 20 points in his last 28 games. Um, you know, what playing with Schmaltz and Keller's done for his career trajectory is is very noteworthy there. And I wouldn't trade, you know, Schmaltz for a first-round pick if it means that, you know, we stunt Hayton's development all over again. It's been tough
3: enough. Another thing we are in agreement on, too, I did want to point out, I was using him as a top six player over the next couple of years, but when we get to that competing time, Krauss is absolutely a third-line player. He'll be a hell of a third-line player. Oh, yeah. he is absolutely. going to be a third-line yeah. player on that team.
0: Is
2: that it, boys? Well, yeah, that think it. <laughs> <line>. <laughs> yeah. I think that's it. No, that's- that was a solid two-hour show there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was. Our deadline special. We'll also do one similar on the draft day. There'll be something similar. I don't know. We haven't hammered out the details. We'll work on that in the next couple of months, obviously, but definitely got that. So look out for that if you're still here. Look out for that. So So that's it, boys. I think we can wrap this thing up. Are we ready to go?
1: Yeah, Uh, we're ready.
0: All right, cool. Well, thank you all for listening, especially if you listened this far. We appreciate it. Um, And we look forward to seeing you probably next week. I think we'll have a normal show. Uh, normal length, normal show next week. Uh, until then, see you next time. Uh, and
3: don't forget, before uh, before we log off, don't forget, check out Tempe Wins. Make sure you check out what they're doing, and don't forget to vote come May.
0: That's right. It's coming up. Okay. If that's it, then we'll go ahead and sign off. See you guys next time.